Praise the Lord, everyone. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Uh, Bishop Purdue, I just want to say first, uh, to begin, uh, thank you, everyone, for the uh, prayers for our family, uh, especially Sister Ashley and uh, the boys and Pastor Adam uh, for the loss of Jennifer. We're, we're certainly appreciative of all the prayers and all the condolences and uh, those that have reached out. Thank you very much. Uh, just continue to say a prayer and keep keep them in your prayers, if you would, please. Uh, this week, I'd like to get right into the Word of the Lord. Again, it's an honor and privilege to be before you to, tonight. Uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 2. Excuse me, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4, very familiar, uh, especially in the, uh, the Pentecostal ranks. Uh, Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all with one accord in one place. Notice all. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. Verse number 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, usually when I speak uh, about this passage, I always emphasize on uh, verse number four. Uh, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Uh, I want to just take a few moments tonight and talk about why we speak in tongues. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit different direction than uh, normal, uh, because there's some things I want to just kind of weave into this uh, to help some folks that may be listening. But first I need to say that uh, we believe that Acts chapter 2 is uh, the birth of the New Testament church. It's the birth of the New Testament church, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And uh, let me make this point uh, uh, I believe that we're living in the age or the dispensation of time uh, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the outpouring is still as prevalent today, uh, still as important today, uh, still as needed today, and maybe more so. Uh, but we are living in the age and dispensation of uh, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Uh, God, had, He has designated everything uh, in the body of believers and I, I believe this with all my heart, he's uh, designed and designated uh, that everything in the body, everything in the church be done by the ministry of the Holy Ghost. It's through the Spirit. It's through the Holy Ghost. I think it's important to, to begin with, to start out with, to know. Uh, it has to be of the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost fell, it's as the Spirit gave the utterance. Uh, the other thing is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is uh, in the last days or last age, uh, it it's, uh, was prophesied in the Old Testament uh, on numerous occasions about what would take place in the last days, the last age. Uh, I'm going to give you a few scriptures. You can write them down. I'm not going to get into them because of time uh, tonight. But if you want to write these down and note, if you will, uh, Isaiah chapter 28, verses 11 and 12, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, uh, Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, 
And then again in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Those are some of the scripture that highlights the uh, outpouring, the coming of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Um, some today, and I'll say it this way, some today refer to receiving the Holy Ghost as the third part, the third part of the formula uh, for being born again, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's fine as a description because uh, it, there is a process because it has to do with repentance. It has to do with being baptized and being filled with the Holy Ghost, the three elements, the three steps. Uh, also coincides with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. And so it's important. But more importantly, and I want to emphasize this, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost identifies with Jesus' resurrection. And that's really what we want to kind of keep in mind. Uh, it identifies us or the believer uh, with Jesus' resurrection. And that's very important, especially uh, when he says he's going to come back. Uh, and especially as the angel spoke and says, as you've seen him go away, he's going to come back. So uh, it's important to know that it's going to take the Holy Ghost to resurrect these bodies. As it was uh, the Holy Ghost that gave life to uh, his body, Jesus' body, after being crucified and buried, it's the same, same principle. That's the uh, filling of the Holy Ghost. It's what's going to raise us up. Um, Peter explains this. And uh, if you go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, I want to lay just a little bit of a, a foundation on uh, why we speak in tongues and how it's coming about. Notice how Peter says this in 1 Peter 3, and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for, talking about Jesus, the just for the unjust, that he, may, that he might bring us, the believers, to God, being put to death in the flesh. Now, it's important to see this. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. So you can see here what Peter is saying. He says Christ is the one that paid for our sins. He was the just, paid for the unjust. And that the purpose of that was to bring us, the purpose of salvation, the purpose of the Holy Ghost being given is to bring us to God and so that we can put away our flesh, we can die out to the flesh and be quickened by the Spirit. Now Paul also addresses this. And I want to take you to Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He says it like this, and it's very simple. He says, but if the Spirit, and we know God is Spirit, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus, we know Jesus is the flesh, from the dead dwell in you. Let me read that again. For if the Spirit, God, of Him that raised up Jesus' flesh from the dead dwell in you, He that raised Christ from the dead shall, notice this, shall, not maybe, shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So again, you see the emphasis I want to place today on why we speak in tongues is the uh, indwelling of the Holy Ghost. And I'll get into more about uh, the evidence here in just a second. But it's to, uh, by His Spirit that dwelleth in you, we need the Holy Ghost indwelling us. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit, is God. 
And specifically, Jesus was the flesh that God <laughs> was living and dwelling in. The Holy Ghost is God living and dwelling in us. So you see how it goes together. It's only, I mean, it's just only logical to see how to put the two together. Uh, the Bible says, and again, what I'm giving you tonight is just a, a small sampling of what could be taught and a direction we could go when it comes to speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Ghost. But the Bible says that the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost by or as the Spirit gave the utterance, as the Spirit spoke. Uh, it should be, and I, I say this, and I don't mean to be, but it should be obvious. They spoke in tongues as the Spirit, as God, God is Spirit, as God gave them the voice, as God gave them the utterance. That's why it's important that we yield our flesh, our bodies, to the Holy Ghost. When we yield our bodies to the Holy Ghost, we will speak in tongues. I know uh, a lot of folks really like to split hairs about it and like to say it's, you know, it's not needed. It is. It's just the initial evidence that the Holy Ghost resides. Now, you know, like anything else in life, we can all say anything we want to. I can tell you I'm a millionaire. I can tell you I'm wealthy. Uh, far from it. But just saying it don't make it. And so the Holy Ghost, when it comes, there's a proof, there's a sign, there's something that comes with it. And there should be to show that there's proof because anybody can say, I have the Spirit. And just feeling goosebumps and just crying or showing some emotions uh, don't prove that we have the Holy Ghost. It just shows that we have that part of our flesh that will allow or will operate where things will could affect us. I could see a, a sad movie and cry, but it doesn't mean I'm delivered from something. All right. So the evidence of the Holy Ghost is twofold. And I want to take a, a few minutes here to kind of point that out. The outward evidence is the speaking in tongues that I'm speaking of. The outward evidence is that speaking in tongues uh, from this outpouring. And it's the beginning of how others receive it as well. Because I mentioned it last week in, in the Bible study. Uh, they heard when they heard them speak. Uh, it's important that people hear uh, the Word of God, of course, but it's important that people hear. They heard them speak with tongues. And so uh, the, evidence, the outward evidence is speaking with tongues uh, and from this outpouring, from this pouring out of the Spirit. And it's the beginning of how others receive it as well. Everyone, it affects everyone. Uh, I'm one of those that believe uh, uh, the Holy Ghost is not just for this person or that person or this faith or that faith. It's for everyone. For those that are far off, as many as our Lord or God shall call, is what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. But note this. He said, uh, uh, and this is recorded especially uh, from those, uh, the Holy Ghost being poured out. And the argument today is, well, it's not every, every time you see the Holy Ghost poured out, tongues is mentioned. That's true. But I will tell you this, study your word, you'll find everywhere that is poured out of a significant change, uh, then the tongues are there. 
In other words, uh, I'll give you some, some examples here. On the Gentiles, who were considered dogs or wasn't uh, on them, uh, when it was poured out, they heard them speak with tongues. Uh, any, anyone that was non-Jewish, if you will. Uh, mixed blood, the Samaritans. In Acts chapter 8, I'll give you the scripture here in just a little bit. Uh, it was poured out as well. Uh, when these significant changes have taken place when they, uh, the Great Commission to go out and preach, then it, it's important that tongues, we see that tongues followed the, the same way that the, the apostles received it. And so, but any other time when the, there's just a, a mention of uh, uh, someone receiving the Holy Ghost, there's times when it's not followed with tongues, but it's there. It's, it's, it, that's prevalent. That's how the evidence, that's what is shown to, for them to know because they've heard them speak with tongues. Now, I want you to note these scriptures here because, again, time, I'm not going to get into all of them. Acts chapter 10, if you'll read verses 44 through 46, uh, the house of Cornelius, they heard them speak with other tongues on the Gentiles. Uh, on them also they heard. Uh, Acts 19, uh, the brothers in Ephesus that Paul comes across who hadn't heard about the Holy Ghost, even though it had been years later, uh, they were still baptized by John's baptism on the other side of the cross. So Paul brings them up to speed, asks him, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And that's a key because it all links together with the scripture. And so Acts 19, verses 1 through 6 tells you there. In Acts 8, uh, verses 5 through 24, it tells you the whole story about the Samaritans I just spoke of. So it's important also to remember when Jesus was about to leave, when he was about to be taken away from this earth, uh, he gave what we call the Great Commission. Uh, and that's when he said to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But he stated this in Mark 16 and verse 15 through 18. I want to read that. I want you to go that with me. Mark 16, verse 15 through 18. Because I want you to see something here. Verse 15 of Mark 16 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world. <coughs> now I think it's important for us to take time to take in things sometime, even though we're on one topic. He said all the world. That means it's for everybody. What he's about to give, what he's about to send them to do, it's not just for one faith. It's not just for one group of people. It's not just for one ethnicity. It's for all people. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, everyone. He that believeth and is baptized shall be delivered, shall be saved. But he that believeth not, guess what? If you don't believe something, <laughs> you're certainly not going to follow it or be interested in it or learn of it. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And I'm a firm believer, just like the word. Uh, it's not being harsh. If we don't accept the salvation that God has given to us, then guess what? We're in trouble. You can call it whatever, label it whatever you want to, but uh, damned is a, is a good way to put it. He said they'll be damned. Now notice verse 17. And these signs, and this is the, the, the area I want to kind of focus on, these signs shall follow them that believe. Did you catch that? Just saying you're a believer uh, is not enough. There should be signs following. There should be things happening. And part of that, when you, we are true believers, we'll receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. People will see, people will know, people will hear. It'll be a part of the outpouring. Now get this. He says, in my name they shall cast out devils. It takes the power of the name of Jesus to chase off the devil. That's why being baptized in Jesus' name is very important. Because it gives you power. That's why he told them in Acts 1, verse 8, go and tarry to receive power. 
And so there's power in the name of Jesus. He's said to cast out devils. And he said they shall speak, excuse me, shall speak with new tongues, a new language. Now notice that. He said they'll take up serpents. He said to be protected. If they drink any deadly thing, if they, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's very important because you see uh, as they went and as they ministered, uh, not like today, they didn't have doctors and, and they didn't have medicines and they didn't have things so prevalent, uh, prescriptions and pharmacies ev everywhere. They didn't have those things. So they would go to places where they would have to have this power uh, that it would not affect them and have the power to heal others and let others see the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, certainly when Paul in the upper coast of Ephesus in Acts 19 that I gave you, when he comes across it, he lays hands on them to receive the Holy Ghost. So we see that it has its power, it has its purpose. But notice this, because when we read this, especially in verse 17, these signs shall follow them, them those that believe. I can say again, I'm a believer. But my actions might show otherwise. And I'm, I'm a believer. I've been doing this for a, a number of years. And uh, I've heard a lot of people, and I see a lot of Christians today who say they're believers. And I do believe that in their hearts or in, in their minds they have a belief. But if you believe in something, you'll follow it. Uh, and you will allow it to be a part of your life. And uh, I've been around people who on one, one side in, in one moment would just talk about God and talk about the Bible. And then in the, in the next little bit, just curse and carry on and, and uh, have themselves a fit. And so that has to do with the Holy Ghost controlling. Now watch. He says, he says these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, get this, because a lot of people don't see this. He's not saying, he's, he's not saying you guys that are here that believe. He's not saying just you, because a lot of people try to say, well, that was just then. He's not saying, oh, just you guys that believe. Look what he's saying. He's saying to them, to them, to all that believe. Go to the world, all that believe. He said, in my name, in Jesus' name, they'll cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, not maybe, not if, it, you know, if, it's some, if they believe it, they'll receive it. Now get this, because we, we try to just make things difficult today. And that's why we have all these faiths and all these people preaching things and saying things and leaving things out of the scripture and bypassing and not, not really. It all should thread together. They received it. Because when you think about it, why tongues? Well, there's a lot of areas that we can get into when it comes just to that question. Why as a, the initial sign of receiving? Well, I'm just going to give you a couple simple, basic things about that. Because one, it's uniform evidence. Because there's a language worldwide. It's universal. And so when we speak in a, in a language, we have a language. There's, there's different languages, of course, because of Babel, because of scattering. But the uniform evidence throughout the experience is it's, it's uniform. Uh, it's like you hear people talk about music. Music is a universal language because it can affect everyone in some way. Same way with speaking in tongues. It's universal. It's uniform. And it's evidence throughout the whole world that would be prevalent. They heard them. Jesus explains uh, to Nicodemus, and I want to go there, uh, St. John chapter 3, because I want to I read something that sometimes we overlook. Uh, sometimes we, we don't emphasize uh, 
the part that he tells or John says to him. Uh, chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 4 through 8. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man, now this is important, how can a man be born when he's old? Because Jesus is just explaining to him, no man shall see the kingdom of God. He's, he's letting him know because he comes in privately and he's, he's getting ready to explain it to him. He said, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb to be born? Verse 5, notice Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, to thee, except a man, except a person be born of water and of spirit, he cannot, he makes it very clear, cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, now he goes on to explain, this is where I want you to focus on, verse 6. That which is born of flesh, you hope you see this, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. It takes the Holy Ghost. It takes the Holy Ghost to resurrect us like it did Christ. That's so important today in our plan of salvation. Call it what you want. Call it the third formula, the third operation. Call it what you want, but it takes the Holy Ghost. That which is born of flesh is flesh. When we're born naturally, that is natural. That is flesh. He said, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. And he goes on to say, marvel not. In other words, it's not something to kind of, you know, wink at or just, you know, kind of grin at. He said, marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Now he explains, he uses this to explain also, get this, because he said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. You see it's important? The wind's moving, blowing, and you, you can't see the wind. You can feel it, but you can't see it. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it comes, where it goes. So is, now get this, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. I hope that resonates with you just a little bit because what he's saying is so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The sign of a true believer is to be a true receiver. That's flesh is flesh. He's saying very simply to this professor, this teacher, he's saying that which is spirit is spirit because his flesh could not understand the born again experience that Jesus is Speaking about, the disciples had been speaking about. They didn't, it, it was going around, didn't understand. So he comes to him privately and says, I don't understand about this born again. You can't go back and be reborn. And Jesus let him know. He said, listen, it's like the wind. He said, he said but notice, he said, so is, not just so is a few, not just so is one faith, not just those that just accept. He says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, how do we know you're born of the Spirit? Because anyone can say they are. He said, these signs will follow a believer. That's why he let them know they must believe. He said, you've got to believe this, Nicodemus. You've got to get this. The sign of a true believer is to be a true receiver. These signs shall follow. They come after that I become a believer. We become a believer. Now, speaking in tongues also indicates we've given control. Now this gets a little bit dicey with people because that's why I said you can't send, send forth bitter and sweet. You can't curse God and curse and carry on. Talk any way you want to and claim to be full of the Holy Ghost or have God's Spirit dwelling in you. Look at this. Because speaking in tongues also indicates that we've given control. 
to the Spirit over our human will. I still learn to control this tongue because of my flesh. But the Spirit says, listen, we don't have to speak on everything. And you've heard it said uh, by Pastor Adam just uh, the last few weeks, uh, getting on social media. That's speaking. When you, when you type things, that's speaking. Out of the abundance of the heart, it comes forward. And when we, we respond to things and we get into arguments and we're making sure we're responding on just on red or blue sides. And listen, we're all human. It's human will. The Holy Ghost is for everyone, for all the world. He told him to go and preach it. So when we think about why we speak in tongues, why these things happen, because when you think about it, the tongue, one of the other examples is the tongue, James says in James 3 and 8, is uh, the most unruly member of the body. So in the flesh, now get this, because in the flesh, this tongue can be unruly in the fleshly body. In the spirit, guess what? The control of the Holy Ghost allowing that to overtake our will and to control and help us and guide us, guess what? That unruliness becomes tame, becomes controlled. So it's just more than just speaking in tongues, more than just, you know, it it shows the difference between the fleshly person and a spiritual person. Now, uh, you know, I'll wind down here with this. The second part I said a while ago, the second part of the twofold Holy Ghost is simply, the, you know, the first part is the, the outward, the experience, speaking in tongues. But this, the second part is just very simple. It's actually a change in the person's life. There should be a change. The old man's passed away. The old man, old man becomes new. All things, not just the things we pick and choose or we decide to let go of. It should be all things. All things should become new. Uh, when we're born again, it's just like the process of being born naturally. And when we're born again, we start in preschool. We start, start in kindergarten, first grade. We go, we go through the lessons of life spiritually. And when we're born again, we st- go through the lessons of life spiritually. I don't expect, and no, sh- no ministry or no one should expect, uh, uh, a believer that ju- is just starting out, just beginning to be a high schooler, or to be graduated, or be thinking college stuff. Everybody, everybody, when they come in, they want to know about end time. They want to know about dress and language and how we conduct ourselves. You have a, get a relationship with God. You let the Holy Ghost guide you and lead you. That's what it is, because you'll see it, it, there's a change. Now, now, now with that, if you, I'll give you a couple more scriptures. Uh, St. John 14, verse 26. And, verse, and chapter 15, verse, or chapter 16, verse 7. St. John chapter 14, verse 26. St. John chapter 16, verse 7. The Holy Ghost is called the Comforter. Now with the Holy Ghost, which is the, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, that's supposed to guide us. The Spirit becomes our guide. Not, not the flesh. We learn naturally. Life evolves. Spiritually, we begin to learn. All new, all not, not the old ways and revert the old paths and the old stuff that we've done in the old life. The Spirit becomes our guide. It becomes our teacher. It becomes our comfort. It's our comfort. That's what it's there for, to bring direction, to bring some certainty. I know there's a God. I know there's a Spirit. I know the Holy Ghost is real. 
I've seen people, I've seen people, and I'm not talking about learning a language and going out here learning some kind of art or language where you can speak. There are deceivers out there. There are people that will speak a, a language, but it's not as the Spirit gives the utterance. There's copycat. You, know, you can believe everything God has. The devil has something, <laughs> a reasonable facsimile, if you will. Uh, he has something uh, to copy, to make it look close. In fact, the Scripture teaches us that Satan himself can pass himself off as an angel of light. We're taught that light is a great thing and the best thing. We're to be the light of the world. So there's, there's some things there that we have to learn and we have to allow the Holy Ghost to be our guide. Uh, and if you read those scriptures, you'll find out the, the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is given to us to guide us, to teach us, to be our comfort, to be our direction, and to be a sense of, of certainty in uncertain times. Uh, I've often told people when they... Uh, going through tragedy, going through getting worked up and their minds racing and going different directions. I just sometimes have to say, hold it, hold it, hold it. The Lord's here somewhere. He's in this somewhere. And right now, sometimes in all of our chaos and all of our flesh, sometimes we don't allow the Spirit to show up, to operate and to do the guiding. Because if you'll tr truly study, you'll find that every major change or every major event in the New Testament, in the Scripture, the Holy Ghost was given when it was poured out. Tongues, tongues was the evidence of receiving. And to show the importance of it, uh, being tied to baptism, being repentance, uh, in Acts 10, uh, the question was asked because while Peter spoke, the Holy Ghost fell on them, uh, the house of Cornelius, and fell on them, they received the Holy Ghost. They Because they, they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. So then the question come up, hey, are they to be baptized? What about water? Because Nick, Jesus told Nicodemus, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless water and spirit. So they said, hey, well, you've got the ultimate reception, the Holy Ghost, we've got that. Why would there be a need of baptism? Because baptism is for the remission of sins. It's our faith in believing that Jesus died, He was crucified, He was buried, and the Holy Ghost signifies He rose again. If we don't have all three of the process, formula, steps, whatever you want to label them as, if we don't have that in our plan of salvation, I don't care what faith, I don't care who it is, if we don't have those steps, that's what was given. All through the scripture, it's threaded. That's what it takes. Even when, G, even when Paul spoke to these uh, Baptist boys that had been baptized under John the Baptist, he told them. He let them know. How have you received the Holy Ghost? We don't know about the Holy Ghost. Then how were you baptized? You see, the two go together hand in hand. The two go together in acts hand in hand. And so it's important that we understand. Sometimes we think it has to be A, B, C, and D in the process. But you can receive the Holy Ghost right there in your home. In fact, I'm a firm believer and I've had people that uh, in crowds and in public places, it's harder for them to pray or break through because they're listening and their faculties, they just can't shut down and, and let the Spirit move on them. Uh, raise up in the middle of the night while they're sleeping prayerfully and raise up out of bed and begin to speak in tongues and startle them. What, what was that about? It's, it's a time when the Lord can take control. It's when we can yield. So it doesn't, and as a matter of fact, in, on the day of Pentecost, you know, because in our churches we, we use an altar and we have, but you know what? You can get a setting in your pew because it filled all the house where they were setting. So 
You know, we might try to split hairs and say, well, they were worship. There's, I'm sure there was worship. I'm sure there was praise. I'm sure there was prayer because that's, that's what they went there to do. But suddenly it came. Something they never experienced. Friend, I don't know who you are, but if you've never experienced it, you should. And when you experience it, tongues will come. That's why you've got to yield your voice. You've got to speak. You've got to praise God. You've got to do whatever. Let the tongue, let the spirit take control of the tongue. Because it's from a spiritual gift given to you from God, filling you with the Holy Ghost. All right? Because if you'll truly study, you'll find that every place that was important, uh, it was, we made, made sure that we know tongues was the evidence of receiving. Now, last point, and I, I've got two more scriptures I'm going to share with you. <coughs> I want you to go to Acts chapter 5, verse number 32. Acts 5, verse 32. Notice, notice the words again. And we, who's we? Believers. And we are His witnesses. You can't witness about something if you're not a believer to it. If you haven't come to church and heard someone speak in tongues, you, how can you talk about it? And we are His, notice His, personalize it, witnesses of these things. You can read prior to that. And so is also, get this, the Holy Ghost. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God, Spirit, hath given to them, believers, that what? That obey. If we don't obey, if we don't follow the plan of salvation, if we don't follow the preached word of God, go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is. Think about it. We have to receive it. We have to believe it to receive it. Now, when I say believe it, uh, there's a, a lot of things when I first started serving God. I didn't, I believed, but I had faith to believe that, you know what? The Lord will show me. The Lord will take care of it. You may not be able to go from A to Z because we don't start out, like I say, we don't start out in college. We start out the same principal steps of, uh, as a child. We learn. We may not understand everything that we are supposed to believe. The one thing we have to believe in is the plan of salvation. That's the basis. All the rest of the stuff, we can split hairs and we can talk about, we can debate, but our ticket to heaven, our, he said, no man shall see, no person shall see the kingdom of God. We've got to be born of water and spirit. It's important, and it really, it really bothers this, this preacher to, the, to have people today that tell you it's not important. You don't need it. That's just not true. And it really pricks my heart to know that there are people that have not heard and don't even know about this Holy Ghost. He said, whom God hath given to them that obey. So we see again, there's another action, there's another process here. Why we speak in tongues? <laughs> because it's scriptural, first of all, scriptural proof, scriptural evidence that the Spirit dwells in us. And I say scriptural evidence because I can say, we can say anything we want to. But there has to be a basis for it. And the basis is on the day of Pentecost, guess what? It was poured out. It was given. The church was birthed. Now, Paul clears this up. And this is my last, last scripture I want to give you. Romans chapter 8. Verse number 9. Look at this. 
And I hope, whoever's listening, I hope if someone can see this, that they take, take stock in this part especially. Because the difference between flesh and spirit, Jesus said, is just that. Flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. To, to be able to understand spiritual things, we need the Holy Ghost. We need a spirit to guide us, to teach us, to develop us, to show us. Look at here. Chapter 8, verse number 9, Paul says, But you are not, ye are not in the flesh. Now he's addressing them. He said, listen, he said, y'all not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Why? Because the Holy Ghost had been poured out. They understood. They understood. They understood what the Holy Ghost was for. They understood tongues. They understood what was taking place. And, but he, he says, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. <laughs> let me, let me, now let me read that together. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that God, if so be that the spirit dwells in you. And he clears this up. Let me make, make this very clear. He says, now if any man, any person, have not the spirit of Christ. Wait a minute, what happened to the spirit of God? His spirit. It is the same. If any, why? Because he's the, Christ is the bring together, the pulling together, that what brings us together. Now get this, because he didn't say Jesus, he said Christ. Now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, you see, because Jesus is the fleshly name, Christ is the spiritual purpose. Notice how Paul words this. He said, if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, not the flesh, not Jesus, not that side of things, he said, he is none of his. That's some pretty profound words. Paul was a very smart man, and he knew how to use his words, and he meant for us to understand this very clearly, like he meant for them to hear it and understand it very clearly. So, let me just say this before we pray. If you have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's a gift. Jesus came and died just for the unjust. That's you and I. I had to recognize I had a need for the Lord and for salvation. If we don't recognize that need, that's the first step in believing. He that believeth shall be saved. That's delivered. We have to be delivered from our unbelief, our unknowing, our unwilling. We have to be delivered from that. And so when we begin to hear the preacher preaching and we begin to see things happening, especially in this world, I hope you can see things happen because I know people have heard enough. Even, even the joking and jestness on television. I've heard a lot of scripture thrown out from television, maybe taken out of context, but people are hearing some of that that ought to make them think about what's going on, if nothing else. Because there is an awareness. So as we pray... Tonight, I just want you to help me pray. Church out there, I want you to help me pray. Uh, I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see people delivered from their unbelief. And when that begins to take place even more, uh, we, we, we talk about a great end-time revival. I believe there's still a harvest out there, like I said before, and it's just the labors are few. We've got to get this word. We've got to even get this word of God's Spirit being poured out to everyone that's willing to listen. And I believe that there's folks still willing to listen. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful for this opportunity to stand, God, and go and speak your word. Lord, I pray tonight, God, that something that was said or done here might 
resonate, might reach and prick the heart of someone listening. God, reach them, Jesus. Let them know. God, wake them up. Let them know they need the Holy Ghost more than they need the next breath they take. Lord, I pray, God, that you minister. Minister to them, Lord. God, that you deal with them. And I pray, God, that you open the doors and make a way for those in this community to surround them and let them know. God, send somebody. Send somebody to that shut-in. Send somebody, God, to those out there, Lord God, that maybe won't come into a church. Let them hear. Let them hear and know that this salvation is true. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, and praise you for all these that have been filled. In the precious name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Keep tuning in. Keep praying.